0: In 2 Timothy chapter 2, and so many times we've mentioned as the Holy Spirit brings out the scriptures to us, like only He can, by His the power that He is Himself, and bring out the power of what what God has accomplished in and through Jesus Christ for us. We have seen that the the epistle of First Timothy has to do with how to function in proper order in a local assembly how to do that and then also in second timothy which we'll read it's still how to function as an individual in a local assembly in the midst of disorder but we can still function in his order we know that in first corinthians 14:40 god does all things now the all things that it says in first corinthians 14:40 god does all things decently And in order, those things are revealed in First Corinthians chapter two, verses nine to sixteen. Those things that keep us and from the things of the world, and First John two and verse fifteen. And those things are are brought out in the reality of the character that we are in Christ, as Christ is in us. Obviously, and this is brought out in the first three chapters of Ephesians. Now, we still have this. We have all of this truth. But in in 2 Timothy, chapter 2, and I'll just read some verses here. In verse 1, it says, You therefore, my son. And isn't it just like the Holy Spirit? Yes, this was... In, in terms of isagogics, back in the historical frame of reference, when the Apostle Paul was speaking to his spiritual son, Timothy, how that the Holy Spirit would take this and speak to us as his sons and his daughters today, in the same way that it's spoken without change back here. And so it says, you, therefore, my son, be strong. You see, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The only way that we have strength is through the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things, here it is, the things, those things, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 16, those things, the first three chapters of Ephesians, those things to keep out in the most well-taught believers, The things of the world in 1 John 2 and verse 15. Well, the things that you have heard of me, Christ in him, among many witnesses, many testimonies. Oh, if we want testimonies, oh if we want testimonies, read Hebrews the eleventh chapter. We have all those witnesses that have a testimony as they were passing through this world system, in no way settling down. In no way settling down. At times, distracted, forgetful of God in a moment. And those can be dangerous times, even for a moment. But God is waiting, obviously, positionally, obviously, in us. He's waiting to be gracious in Isaiah 30 and verse 18 and in Joel 3 and verse 10. In 2 Corinthians 12, in verse 9, he always gives us grace. But for us to be established in it, he gives us thorns. Now, recently we shared, and I'm not going to, I don't believe that the Lord would have us to go into it this morning. But recently we talked about what God allows and what he uses. What God allows and what he uses. God. Himself never uses evil to teach us. Never. We may have heard that before. We may have been taught that. God never uses evil to teach us. Their own backslidings correct them in a way that wouldn't be God's choice in Jeremiah 2 and verse 19, based upon Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 23. Stubbornness and rebellion like a mule. Picking up and resisting, yes. But that isn't God's way of teaching. We know that based upon Titus 2, verse 11. The grace of God that brings salvation, a constant deliverance too, by the way, once we're born again and and saved and we're in Christ. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all, teaching us. You see, it's the grace of God that teaches us. Is there any evil in that? Can God be tempted with evil in James 1 and verse 13? No, all you that love have God functioning in you. You hate evil in in Psalm 97 and verse 10. Those are the things of the world, and the enemy can even use the things of the world that are meant for for us, sustaining us in our way, in a way to walk through the world system, not to take the things of the world, the material things, to settle down. Because that would be what the enemy would desire, to get us distracted. Looking away, in Hebrews 12, 2, from all that would distract unto Jesus, the file leader, leading us through the beginning and the end, eternal end of our faith. Dependence. So here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says in verse 2 And the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit you to faithful men who will be able, who will be able to teach others also. You, oh, he's speaking to us, especially to men, without any question about it, as as leaders. And of course, he speaks to, to women but he does that through the scriptures and through men as their loving initiators and guides in Hebrews thirteen seventeen,
1: You therefore, you therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that wars, oh boy,
0: we're going to see what that means this morning. No man that wars entangles himself, listen to this, with the affairs of this life, the details of this life. Those are the things that in Hebrews 12, 1, become a burden, become a weight to set, keep us settled down and not go forward in the, and, 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 be a, and go through with God through, through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit in this angelic conflict. This unseen, evil, angelic conflict that we are in this world system in the midst of, but not of, just like Jesus wasn't in John 17 and verse 14, and neither are we in 17 and verse 16. No man that wars is to get entangled. This is bringing out Hebrews chapter 1. Lay aside the weight which so easily will entangle you. That's the
1: details of life. That's the details of life. Get, get caught up in them and
0: completely forget Christ and completely forget that we're passing through and we're in an angelic conflict. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who's chosen him to be a soldier. What does a soldier do? He fights the good fight of faith. 1 Timothy 6, 12. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 7. He fights the good fight of absolute dependence upon God and not settling down in this world and making the things
1: of this world to be what is so-called life. A man that's a soldier doesn't stay in his bunk when
0: there's warfare going on. He doesn't take ease and comfort to be the source of his so-called life. Does not. Now, verse 5, and if a man endeavor, endeavor, he doesn't strive in the flesh. It's not the self-life or flesh. But if a man endeavor for masteries, the word Christ mastering him, yet, is he not crowned except he endeavor lawfully. Lawfully here is Romans 8, 2, and 3. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. And can that be, and can the enemy use the things of this world to get us to settle down and experience that separation, that death from Christ? Absolutely. And we will forget it instantly. As soon as our eyes are taken off of Christ, in Hebrews 12, In verse 2, now, the husbandman, the gardener or the, the, the farmer or the husbandman that labors must be first partaker of the fruits. Do we see that? There's a reward for the individual. There's a reward for the man, the husband, the father, the initiator, the pastor, teacher. There's a reward, but he must take it into himself and eat and partake of and feed on the fruits of Christ, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, to feed on Christ in a continual way, not just the ceremony of partaking of the bread and the wine, but an experiential life constantly of dependence and feeding on him in John 6, 30 to 58. We see that very clearly brought out there. The husband must be first partaker of the fruits, in terms of obedience, in terms of laboring, in terms of being in a conflict. Verse 7, consider what I say and the Lord will give you understanding. Look at what it says in all what? Things. To know the difference of the things of the world and the things of the Spirit of God to which no natural man knows in First Corinthians 2 and verse 14. Now, we can never be natural again. Three types of believers, three types of people, I should say, not believers, but three types of people are brought out in First Corinthians and Second Corinthians. There's the natural, unsaved. Don't want anything to do with God. Take everything of his creation and material and use it for yourself. Promote yourself. Like Cain, who went out from the presence of God in Genesis 4, verses 16 to 24, and he built the city, and it was all about ease and comfort. And he even had his religion, his way of interpreting God, and uh, having a form of it in 2 Timothy 3, 5, but denying, denying the power thereof. And so all things. He will give you understanding in all things. You, we need to have the preciseness of the word of God being brought out in us and through us. And that's what makes it so important. Remember, remember that Jesus Christ, we're to remember him. Remember him constantly by partaking of him. This again brings out John chapter 6, verses 30 to 58 and 59. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David Yes, of the seed of David in terms of his his natural. And, 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 of course, nothing was natural about Jesus. His birth was supernatural, but he had a human nature, but he did not have a sin nature. And I want to make that clear, as God would have me to do so. There are many that were taught that Jesus Christ could have sinned. Absolutely wrong. To sin... And and what is sin, in Psalm 51 and verse 4, it's called evil. Was there ever any evil in Jesus Christ? You have to have a sin nature to sin. He never had that, but he had a human nature. And he had to learn dependence as being the very creation of God in the womb of that 14-year-old peasant girl in Luke 1 and verse 35 brought out in the most incredible way in those first 18 verses of the first chapter of John. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, my gospel. We follow Jesus Christ as Paul followed him in 1 Corinthians 11. We follow Christ. We don't just follow Paul as some would teach, known as hyper-dispensationalism. And all of these things are just attacks on the very person and the work of Jesus Christ that he has accomplished. And let me say this crystal clear in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, all scripture, not just what some would say and make it the Pauline scriptures or the Pauline epistles. The last time I checked, They were given to him from the heavenly Christ. They are Christ. It is he's the word, not the apostle Paul, although an apostle and a great apostle, once Christ got a hold of him. Remember that, that Jesus Christ um, was of uh, David, was raised from the, uh, the dead, according to my gospel, meaning
1: it became his own and his desire for us to have it. Wherein I suffer trouble. Oh boy. Oh boy,
0: how the enemy wants believers. Once they start suffering trouble, to settle right down in the world, to stay in their bunks as soldiers, and not to go forth in the battle because it's too hard. Just stay, stay home use all the beautiful things of God talk about them but miss him in intimacy and miss him in the depth of the fellowship of suffering in Philippians 3 and verse 10 yes it's one thing to know him in the power of his resurrection but it does not stop there he he resurrected us positionally and for us to experience it in Philippians 3:10 that it, it brings it out in Philippians three ten that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection, and not to stop short there and settle in the world, but in the fellowship, the depth of the fellowship of His sufferings, going through spiritual warfare and not settling down, quitting because things are hard, and they come against us. Well, they wouldn't come against us if if Christ wasn't in us and we weren't in Him. It is a badge of promotion by the way and not demotion in any sense wherein i suffer trouble as an evil doer even unto bonds oh even unto bonds even unto being chained to a roman guard but the word of god is not bound no matter what our circumstances and situations are and we must remember that we are the dot, and once we receive Christ as our Savior, he encircled himself fully, a full orb, a full circle around us. And nothing, that nothing can touch us that doesn't go through God. And for it to go through the right way, there's right suffering, and there is right pain. So let's just end the questions about why the pain, why the suffering. Because we're following him who suffered in a way, in Isaiah 53, 1 through 12, and through the Synoptic Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and in the Gospel of John, in a way that no human being ever suffered, and they were given to us, measured to us by his love. No question about it. But we're on our way through suffering, in conflict, on our way to glory. And what is this life but a snap of your fingers, and then we're in his presence forever. In, in heaven. Therefore, I endure all things. Notice? All things. Really? What's that? 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 15. All things for you in Christ
1: are for your sake. All things, all things, not some, all things are for your sake. That the glory, that God wants to reveal through all
0: those things, might go right back, redound, right back to the glory of God. Isn't that amazing? 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 18, all things are of God, spiritual things. All things are of God. And in Romans eight twenty-eight, all things work together for the good. And only place it's mentioned in that Roman epistle, all things work together for the good, to them that love him, through faith dependence and receiving that love. And giving it back in obedience. And of course, if we fail, he's always made a way back for us to go instantly. And that's 1 John 1, 9. We confess it and instantly enter into his presence. But hopefully we don't wait too long because that can take a long time to get back.
1: And a lot are back on their way like the prodigal in Luke fifteen eleven to 32. So therefore, I endure her all things
0: for what? For myself is this life about myself? This life that I have in Christ—it's all about fam. It's all about God and family. You ever hear that?
1: You ever hear focus on the family? No, focus on God and have proper focus on your family. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake. What you go through is for his glory
0: and for your blessing, but for the blessing of others. There's great blessings that come out of sufferings, and that will be revealed when we have our intimacy with him in Revelation 2 and verse 17. I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the deliverance, the salvation, the continual deliverance, which is in Christ Jesus with what? eternal glory. God is working in eternal glory for us through the sufferings of this time. Not the sufferings of bad decisions, evil. God doesn't use evil to teach us anything, ever. And he doesn't use it. He allows it, but he never uses
1: it, ever.
0: Would you use evil to teach your children? You would never do that. He allows it because he won't violate our free will. This is what makes it so necessary for us to be yoked up to Jesus in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, in Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 27, and in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1. We're to remember our Creator in the days of our youth. That means just new truth coming in. Yes, it could be babes in 1 John 2, 12, but when it's coming in and it's freshness, remember it before the evil days come upon you and you say you don't have any pleasure in that anymore. Because the pleasures of the world, she that lives in pleasures is dead while she lives. That's 1 Timothy 5 and verse 6. And that's what the enemy wants. He doesn't want you and I going forward in battle. He wants us. He wants to get us to settle down and to be his captives experientially. And to say we can enjoy all the beautiful things, you know, all those beautiful things, the, the 20 things that were recently put up, and I, and I answered it this morning, were, were those 20 things on the uh, Facebook website, whatever it is, <laughs> and those 20 things were something that my wife's mom taped to their refrigerator that she saw as she grew up. And those are only true, only true. When Christ is our master. When when it's the life of Christ in us. Because you could do all those things for self. Forgetting God and make all those
1: things about self. You could. Very easily. Very easily. Well. Verse 11. It is a faithful saying. For if we be
0: dead with him. This is Colossians 3, 1 to 4 we will also live with him presently right now. Not separated from him anymore in Ephesians 2, 1, 2, 3. Not separated anymore. Not having any hope in Ephesians 2, 12. But Christ, the guarantee of a glorious hope in Colossians 1 and verse 27. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we will also live with him. This again is Romans, the sixth chapter read those first 14 verses all the way down to sonship and inheritance through the 18th verse. If we suffer, if, and we may or may not, this is the third class classification of the Greek word if. This is what makes these little words, I can't say it enough, when you see little words like to and of, when you and if, they are chock full of meaning in the
1: context, chock full of it. It is a faithful saying, if if we be dead with him, we will also live,
0: live with him. If we suffer, if and if is may or may not. But the choice is ours. If we suffer, right? If we suffer, we will if we suffer, we will also reign with him. But if we deny him, he will also deny us. Some would teach this is a salvation. They'll use covenant theology. We're going to mention those very briefly this morning. Covenant theology, the lie of that, the lie of lordship salvation, and a few other things we'll bring up this morning, that those those terrible lies that have nothing to do with who Christ is and his person and the work that he's already, past tense, accomplished positionally for us. He will also deny us. This is fellowship in 1 John 1, 1 through 3. This is fellowship. And then when we get out of fellowship, making the things of the world, using those things that God gave us to go through the world system, not using them to settle down in the world system. Details of life, Matthew chapter 6, 1 through 34, starts with absolute dependent prayer life. So it keeps out the details from uh the lie of the details from thinking that's our life, and that's it well, that's what it says he He denies us because he his eyes are so pure in Habakkuk back at two and verse thirteen. he cannot even look upon sin. he always never removes his eye from who we are in his son in job thirty six and verse seven based upon the fact that Christ is our righteousness in 1 Corinthians one thirty, and that's our position. But when we function outside of it, and we function in the flesh and sin, we're functioning in evil. Now, are we functioning in something that he's already paid for? Yes. But will God give grace that we could continue there in Romans 6.1 and Romans 6.15? Of course not. God never gives us grace to live in sin, because sin is evil. <laughs> Now, verse 13, if we believe not, yet he abides faithful, he cannot deny himself. He will never deny who he is. And he will never deny who he's made us to be positionally,
1: but will we deny him? Worry. Worry. (laughs) We all can do it. Irritation. Resistance. Rebellion.
0: Stubbornness. Choosing what we want to hear, when we want to hear it, and leaving out all the rest, which again is extremely dangerous. Well, if we believe not, yet he abides faithful, he cannot deny himself. Now of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they endeavor, That's right. endeavor not about words to no profit. 1 Corinthians thirteen two. If I have not love, what? It profits me nothing. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 2. The flesh that's in me, is there any profit in it? In Romans 7, 18 and John six sixty three: Absolutely no profit in the flesh. No profit. That they strive, they endeavor not about words to no profit. And if I have not love, I am what? nothing in 1 Corinthians 13:3. You know what the even the most well-taught believer, you know what the enemy constantly does? Looks for an opportunity where he can convince us that somehow God doesn't love us enough. That it's something I did or didn't do. And he wants to cover us with shame. Is there any shame in who he's made us to be in Christ? In Hebrews 2:11 and 12 absolutely not. Not plenty of shame in the flesh functioning in sins and let me say they were paid for they were paid for but to get the the enemy to get us to function in them and that's where he separates us experientially not positionally because sin cannot even touch my position in Christ in 1st John 5:18 the wicked one touches us not but he does go after the experience which has to do with the choices that we make with the will that's either going to be in bondage and owned experientially by the enemy or be in freedom in Christ in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1 and John 8 and verse 32 and 36. Those are the things. But what? They're not to endeavor. Endeavor not about words to no profit, meaning if they don't have to do with Christ and his person alone and the work that he finished alone alone, Don't have a thing to do with it. Don't have one single thing to do with it. But two, why? Because otherwise, it's the subverting of the hearers. Now, here's what we want to get into. We're going to get into a little bit of of Greek this morning. That word subverting is katastrophe. Katastrophe. K-A-T-A-S-T-R-O-P-H-E. And it's from the Greek word katastropho. And this is what it means. This is what it means. The enemy, in the experience of the believer, wants to come in and turn them upside down, to completely upset them, to overthrow them experientially, to, to in a way, to demolish their experience in John ten ten a The thief comes to what? To steal, kill, and destroy. Can he destroy, steal, kill, and destroy my position? No. What does he go after? My experiential growth into that. That's what he goes after. That's why we grow in grace and knowledge in Second Peter 3 and verse 8. And if it's grace, it's not earned. It has nothing to do with the flesh. And if it's knowledge, it's about the love of God in Ephesians 3 and verse 19. So it's where we get that word apostasy, to apostatize and really to subvert means to overthrow and turn upside down all those teachings of the faith that are ours in Christ. Well, he comes in, and what does he do? You know, that katastrophe from the Greek word kata, K-A-T-A. It's a primary particle. And it's a preposition, a preposition, which means what? To cause us to get down. Read Psalm 42. Read it. My soul. Uh, the psalmist counseling himself against all the onslaught of the enemy coming against them, the way he comes against us, to get us not to go forward through in this conflict, but not wanting to conflict anymore, to settle down in the world and get our own little circle and get all others in that little circle of interest about ourselves and gathering everyone else around us, which has really nothing to do with them everything to do with the self-life. And we will use anything and everything when it's not Christ. We will use anyone and everything when it's not Christ for our own benefit. And we'll call it fellowship.
1: Well, that's what
0: it means. To bring down, to bring down, to bring us down in in the time of our experience to get us separated experientially from our place in Christ. And this, in this word, in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 14, this subverting is literally what it speaks of. This is what it speaks of. It's a genitive. That's the source. Genitive in the Greek always speaks of source. It's a genitive. It's a dative. Dative always speaks of advantage or disadvantage. The enemy's doing this to disadvantage us, to get us overwhelmed. And it can also be an accusative. An accusative has to do with so many other things we don't want to get into, but it's an extension in this sense of going forward. We can either go forward in that, everything the enemy's causing us to come against us, to get us to settle down and to quit experientially because things are too hard and settle down in this world system. And get a little circle of interest around us. And it's no longer Christ, but it's me. I may use his name, and, may, and I will use his material things, but it's, it's just getting a circle of interest all around myself. Even using everyone and everything for my benefit. And calling it love and fellowship. Well, frequently denotes opposition. That's what it does. This opposition. So the enemy comes in and and causes great opposition against us. And he's distributing, because it has that word distribution. He distributes to us all of this garbage from the pit and brings it in with such an intensity. And this is the attack. And what is he doing it for? To twist, to twist us away from trusting him. To twist us away experientially. Remember, he can't touch us positionally. And to cause us to reverse or to backslide. Or tries to convert us in the sense of turning us back to the self-life again. The old way. Because the new way is just too tough. It's too hard. I've been in a battle too long. And I just don't want to do it anymore. To turn back about. And it's from the Greek word strepho, S-T r e p h o and it's strength it's a strengthened form of the greek word trope and it's t-r-o-p-e and this is what it means it means from from trepo and it means to turn a turn a revolution to get us completely turning we're going forward on our way we're going through suffering we're enduring hardness because he's giving us the grace to do it The enemy comes in and wants us to do a full revelation, a complete turning away from him in Hebrews 12.2. Then we go right back to the weights.
1: And those weights can be the material things of the world. They can be. They can be a job. They can be an occupation.
0: When Christ in Luke 19.13 should be our occupation, no matter what we're involved in. No matter what. And so it means that, and to bring in a variation, and this is what this word means. Listen, this morning, this morning here, in this time that God has given us, we are in, in Revelations three fourteen to 22, we are in the Laodicean age. The Laodicean age. I believe that God is going to bring out in print form what's going on where, and, and, and how to understand Revelations chapters 2 and 3, which, which is dealing with the church still on earth. There's multitudes in heaven, but it's dealing with the church in its successive period of ages, down through the ages, which is working its way even presently and ongoing right now. We'll see that. But the enemy is bringing it in. All these things that are called Christendom, meaning they're not of Christ, they're of a system. A so-called man-made system, a man could even be born again, but functioning under the prince and power of the air and become his teacher in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 15, based upon the 14th verse. And so then, then there are these Christian circles, and again, Christian circles, telling people how to privately interpret the scriptures. They don't need to be taught. They're going to do it themselves. They're going to do it themselves. I don't know of any other way and in Ephesians chapter, the fourth chapter of Ephesians, any other way that God do is it, does it presently because the only thing he's doing is taking individuals out of the world system through receiving Jesus Christ and placing them into the body of Christ and hopefully they get to a local assembly where they can be taught by the Holy Spirit through a vessel, the things of Christ. And that vessel, of course, has to be submitted to the head constantly in Ephesians 4 and verse 8 and not get caught up in the things of this world, the details of life, to take him out of that call. So you have these circles. And all these attacks from the enemy have to do, and this is, listen, they have to do with the person of God's own Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and his work that only he could and did finish christ in you is the enemy is against it christ is in us right now each of us and because of that we're going to experience the height of that attack because we are in the height of the people group ephesians the book the epistle of ephesians brings it out we are the height of all people groups for all eternity the height of it so that's going to be the measure of the attack. And the enemy's very subtle. Genesis 3, 1 to 6, 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 3. It's his attack against God's own son. You and I wouldn't be suffering righteously a thing if Christ wasn't in us and we weren't in him. All the doubt, the fears, the disturbances, the irritations from the enemy, these attacks against his work that only he could and did finish for you and I. These attacks from the enemy, they are not new. That's why in Revelations 20, in verse 2, he's called the old serpent. How old from eternity? In Ezekiel, the 28th chapter, look at verse 15 down through. Not new, but old. In Isaiah 14, 7 to 17, in his unbelievable iniquity and hatred toward God and hatred toward his people. They are not new. They have been around for a long time. And they are designed by the enemy through his subtlety. Through subtlety, again, Genesis 3.1, 2 Corinthians 11.3, through his subtlety, through his wiles in Ephesians 6.11, his method of, of lies in John 8, verse 44. But they're designed by the enemy to keep the unsaved from believing in the person of Jesus Christ and to also to shake the faith of those that are in Christ he wants to shake you now god will use the shaking to remove those things that the enemy can shake us with and that's what part of this conflict is that we're going through and this is brought out in hebrews the 12th chapter verses 25 to 29 our god is a consuming fire his love consumes anything in us consumes fear when we're in his presence John 16, 11, consumes it in 1 John 4 and verse 18. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear in 2 Timothy 1, 7, but of power. Christ is that power in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 24. He's that power. He keeps us all the way through. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Hebrews 13, verse 5. We're kept by the power of God. We are kept by it in 1 Peter 1 and verse 5. But the enemy does everything he can to shape the faith of those that are in Christ. By what? Not trusting and depending on him. Listen to me. For everyone, yourself and everyone and everything, he's going to come against you. To wear out the saints in Daniel 7.25, to cause them to not walk and go forward, Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40.31 down through, but to sit down in the world system, to try and escape it, read Job 28,
1: even up to the eighth verse. When we go to the sea, when we go away to the ocean, and when
0: he's not leading us and he's not in us, you know what the sea says? What you're looking for is not in me. What you're looking for is not in me. And the enemy wants to use it to cause a distance and separation from you. It's necessary to know when, where, and how we're to go and who we're to be with. Very, very necessary. And so the enemy does everything he can. So again, that we won't depend on him and trust in in Proverbs 3, 5 through 8 to trust him. For everyone, listen, everyone and everything, Listen, if I don't trust him for me, who can I trust him for? If he's not my everything, then can I trust him to be everything for those that I love? No. Oh, he knows what he's doing. When he breaks things up, let me tell you, it's not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing because he wants them for himself. He doesn't want them being distracted. I don't care what it is. It could be a job, it could be a relationship. If it ends, it's because of God's love and his desire for you. And then when he has you and when he's your everything, now you're ready to receive those that he would have you to have or those things that he would have you to have. It can be in a place where now they'll glorify him and be a blessing to you, but you'll be a blessing to others. And you won't use them to settle down in this world and make everything comfort, comfort and cozy for yourself and leave everyone else out. And all of us can do that in the flesh. Now, there are many types of things that the enemy and many kinds of false teaching that the enemy can use. We're just going to go very briefly into them. It's called universalism. What is universalism? Universalism is being taught today in Christian circles in a very big way. You may not experience it, but I'm telling you that's what's going on. Universalism is is that even those that did not receive Christ prior to death, once they're in hell, there will be the opportunity Well, God will take them out. There's two classifications of those. One, it's just people. After they suffered for a while, he'll take them out. Bypass Christ's death and everything, his person, everything he went through, but he'll still take them out. Then there's a second class. Not only human beings, but Satan himself and all the demons come out. Because so-called God is love. That's universalism. Yeah, You ever hear universalism, Unitarian, we're all one. You'll see those foolish bumper stickers. Then there's what? What else is there? There's covenant theology, taking the things in the old covenant that were meant for Israel, bringing them over into the church place and and making them to be something that we should do and even using the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, to be things that we need to do because Jesus did everything. That's kingdom age teaching. has nothing to do with the church today. All kinds of confusion about this. Then there's replacement theology. What's that? Replacement theology. Great men of God that God used in other areas, like Augustine taught this. He took Origen's writings, and he really brought them out. And in this area, everything that was promised to Israel's no longer promised to them, skip all Genesis 49, verse 10, skip 2 Samuel 7, 13, 14, and 15, skip all of those, skip even the millennial reign for his people, his earthly people. Everything that was theirs is now the church. Replacement theology, so-called. There's that, to shake us. All of these things to shake us. And it's infiltrating the thoughts of many, many of God's dear ones. And then there's annihilationism. Only those that are truly born again have eternal life. All the rest ultimately will be annihilated and won't exist anymore. Never understanding the word death in any language, any language. It's thanatos, separation, never extinction. But that's being taught. And then there's hyperdispensationalism. Only the epistles of Paul. So-called the Pauline epistles. Of course, they're the Christ epistles given to Paul for us, the church. And this is all, the rest of the word wasn't spoken to us. <laughs> what happened to all scripture? Paul said it. Holy Spirit was answered. All scripture was given by inspiration of God. God breathed, and we gleaned from it. We don't necessarily live under what was spoken to them, but we can learn from it about our position in Christ. And there's all these things. Now, the reason that all these attacks, and these are attacks from the enemy, whether and, and again, the, we can be built up in the most incredible truth in Christ, and the enemy is still going to come in, and he, cause, he wants to cause doubt and fear and insecurity in, in comparison, why? Because he's working Christ in us to be our everything.
1: Our everything. And we don't have to rely on someone else to replace
0: Christ in us. And that can be very subtle. And that's what God is doing. He's separating those things. Hebrews 4.12, through the preaching of the word, he's separating because he has he is jealous in his love for us in Exodus 20 and verse 5, in Exodus 34 and verse 14, in Deuteronomy 4 and verse 24, and in Hebrews 12, 29. Our God, our God is a consuming fire. That fire is the holiness of his love for us, the purity of it. And he doesn't want anyone or anything else mixed with it, mixed with Christ who is our all in Colossians 3.11. Well, the reason for that, any doubts, fears, or all this other poor and evil wrong teaching, the reason for it is because of this. Because of the cause of God, his love, and sending his son in John 3 and verse 16. Because of that, the crowning experience, the crowning test of all was in the past the presence of Christ and still is. That's going to be the test. In my experience, is is the presence of Christ my everything? Is
1: he? Or am I relying on someone else or something else for so-called happiness?
0: Well, here it is. The presence of Christ. He's the seed of the woman. And he's the seed of promise. You know, we have all the promises of, of, of God. They're all ours. And 2 Corinthians 1.20, they are yea and amen. They're all ours, and he doesn't lie. He's bringing us through. God doesn't lie to us. There's no evil in him, and he doesn't use evil. Titus 1.2, Hebrews 6.18, Numbers 23 and verse 19. God doesn't lie. Man does under Satan in John 8, verse 44. When you function under the lie of Satan, when you settle down in the world, then the enemy will give you what he knows are the lusts of your flesh to keep you in that particular place experientially. Rely on this person. Oh my God, if it's not this person, what do I have now, God? You have him. He's everything. And he's jealous over us with a fervency and a purity of love. Titus 1:15, to the pure, all things are pure. But to the unbelieving is nothing pure. Because their conscience is defiled. What's a defiled conscience? I have to rely on something or someone else other than Christ to have joy, to have true happiness. So he does the separating in in the perfection of his love. Well, as we begin to wrap this up this morning, of which we need to do, he's the seed of promise. And he came. The person, the only person in Acts 4.12 and 1 Peter 2 and verse 5, the only person in whose person was found all that was worthy of God. See, those 20 things that are on the website or on on Facebook, those 20 things, could self do those things and take the glory in a heartbeat.
1: In a heartbeat but to do them with him in us and with us and through us to
0: his glory and our blessing, a true blessing, and then a blessing to others. All that was worthy of, was that was of God was in Christ, period. Just him. All that was worthy. Next time the enemy says, when you fail as a believer, you're not worthy. You turn right around and God will give you godly sorrow about that in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10, but there's never any regret a worldly sorrow. But you just turn right around and you can say, it's never a question, based upon Acts 13, 38 and 39, Acts 10, verse 43, it's never a question, am I worthy? Is he worthy to make me in my experience what he's already made me to be in my position in the greatness of his love that flows through grace and gives me the truth of a proper image and a proper experience? Is he worthy? And it was worthy. And everything that would be suitable to us and fulfilling our need, he's fulfilled. Well, and we'll close with this and we'll finish this at a different time because there's just so much involved in it. But the truth, here's the truth. Here's the truth. But the coming of Christ also brought out an awful truth. You know, even Christians don't want to hear, they don't want to hear anything of the flesh that they may be functioning in experientially, they don't, they don't want to hear it because they've been trained by the enemy. I don't want to hear it. But the coming of Christ brought out the afflu- awful truth that not only is man in the self-life apart from Christ and the flesh that's in us, not only is it corrupt and completely, utterly depraved, but he loves his own will. Do you ever try and teach someone and give them the things of Christ? They don't want it well, because it's not their own will. And what does it mean to have your own will? It just simply means this. When I am not submitted to Christ, yoked up to him, and, and with, is my will, am I free to make choices? Yeah, but do I experience freedom without being yoked up to him? Answer, absolutely not. So the enemy owns the will experientially. in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 25 causes him in himself, blind, dumb, in ignorance and pride and stubbornness, to oppose himself when God is for him in Romans eight thirty one and Psalm 56, verse 9. And then his will is captured in 2 Timothy 2. He is owned experientially by the enemy. The enemy wants to own us experientially. How? Doubt, fear, anxiety, all these things. All these things. But that man loves his own will, but that he hates goodness god's divine goodness expressed through the man jesus christ and the flesh in us still hates it we're not the flesh is in us but we're not of it in romans 8 9 but we can certainly function in
1: it and when we do it is hatred in romans 8 7 well here it is here it is mankind
0: outside of christ ruined and fallen under the deception and pride of God's enemy, has become the enemy of God, yes, to those who aren't born again, yep, yeah. but to those, and, and those who, and to teach, you cannot serve two masters without being confused. That, that can be the flesh in us that we're no longer of. That can be the flesh. If you experience confusion, okay, then we just simply need the light of the knowledge of the word of God being brought out in us and bring that separation that is so necessary in us. And that's a sanctifying, purifying process. In, in John 17, 17, sanctify them in their, your truth, your word is truth. And that's always a separating, experientially separating the flesh from from the spirit, which is our God-conscious capacity and no longer living in this self-conscious capacity, the soul, and interpreting God, the word, taking the things that he means uh, to bring glory and in causing them to, us to settle down and not go through the world. To settle down on this world and make a nice little place to go back thinking we can go back to the Garden of Eden. You're never going to go back. It's ruined until Christ comes back and sets up his kingdom with us in him. And Father, we thank you so much for this word. And so much more that you need and desire to bring out in us. No wonder it says, no wonder it says here in, in 2 Timothy 2 and verse th- thir- 14 of these things put in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they endeavor, not about words to no profit, to the subverting of the hearers. And that's what makes this necessary study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed experientially rightly dividing the word of truth. And this goes into beautifully second Corinthians, the fourth chapter all the way down through to the end. Father, thank you in Jesus name. Amen.
2: I'm just sitting here absorbing the word this morning it was is it really, really good and personal for me. It just, you know, it gave me definition because the last couple of days I've been very aware of the, uh, you know, just the spiritual warfare I've been under, you know, and the cool thing is, is like never, I used to doubt my position. I don't really struggle with that a lot. It's like, I know my position. I just want the experience to, to catch up with it, you know, and, <laughs> And so, you know, like, I'm here in the flat like the flesh, I, I am here, right? But it's not me. It's not who I am. And like, the last couple of days, like, I had this physical thing where I just, I felt like I was going to throw up and I was nauseated. And it was, it was like, I was almost nauseated by like, just what I was dealing with, you know, and uh, couldn't sleep for a couple of nights. And then it was it was really last night. God just set me free from it.
1: Awesome. And, I, and
2: I just experienced my position, slept like a baby. And then I get up this morning and just, you know, I hear this word. It's just like the most encouraging, beautiful thing ever. And there was just never any condemnation in any of that for me, which, which is <laughs> awesome. And awesome. I know it's just God loving me and, and just... um you know, it's just separating me from all the lies, you know, there's just, just um, so many little lies that yeah. have been there or creep in or there from the past. We're not aware of it. We don't know. He does. And then just his love and protection, the word comes in It just, you know, it, it's, it's, it's an intense process for me, but it's, it's beautiful. And it's, and it's his love. So I'm thankful.
0: Yeah, he is. He's preparing in you, Luke depths of intimacy love for you yeah. but through you to others i'm yeah. just now i'm just telling you
2: yep yep
0: now, what he's doing mm. big time. i love i love seeing it and it becomes such a, a source of hope and comfort to me mm. these men that i need like joints that supply i love him, i need to hear this mm-hmm. I love hearing that, it's incredible. And Mm. I just start doing that. But first, he's raising you up because of his desire of intimacy for you, Mm. which glorifies and blesses you, but he wants, it doesn't stop. He wants to bless you to others. Now, he wants to bless everyone. He doesn't choose everyone as a vessel, in some measure, he does. But in the deep things, you know, like for gifts like a pastor teacher, which I believe he's raising you up without any question about it. He's raising you up because he's already made you to be that before you were born in his sight. I just see it. It's awesome. <laughs> you know, it's just awesome. Really anyone else? That's beautiful. Great testimony. And boy, it's been that way for me past days. Oh my word. And all the onslaught, right? You know, honestly, you know, it's, it's, you know, Paul said, First Corinthians 9, 16, he said, woe we'll be if I preach not the gospel. What the heck are you going to preach if he hasn't experienced it? It always yeah. starts. But then he said in First Corinthians 16, 9, that there's a great and effectual door open unto me. And there are many adversaries. Oh, he wants, to, he wants to close that door from experience experiencing the truth of Christ in your life and to close you from being a vessel for that to flow through. You better believe it. You know, not want it. Oh, it yeah.
2: Now,
0: nah, he'd much rather have it settle down in the world.
3: Yeah, we got to send you this. I don't know if you've seen it. We, there's a song these two uh, sisters sing. Um, it's, it's a hallelujah song. I'm going to send it to you. Okay. Uh, they sing it the thing about it is it's, it's very beautiful they sing it for their it's their aunt's favorite song and she had terminal cancer and they sang it for her in the hospital but they look at each other the whole time they sing it it's two sisters one's like 18 the other one's like 10 wow and it would overwhelm me about it is their comfortability Facing each other. Say it again. Their comfortability in facing each other. It's beautiful. I, re- I thought of you a lot because, you know, how you always communicate the cross, you know. And it's such a beautiful expression. And the word, I mean, the song is, the words are unbelievable. And it's you, a be- I love beautiful song.
0: Facebook, did I see that for some reason or no?
3: Yeah. And I might have shared it with you. I don't know. Yeah. You want to talk about food. Just in brokenness this morning. And when you read Hebrews chapter 9, 14. Oh, yeah. The eternal spirit.
1: Yeah. Look at the eternal spirit. The only
0: divine interpreter. Period. The only one that can comfort us with with what God through Jesus Christ has accomplished in his love for us.
3: And that's what's so sad, like you said, about yeah. when people replace him with someone, you know.
0: He tries it all the time with us. With me, and I, I'm telling you, he tries it all the time. What are you doing? Why are you so tired? Why are you so wiped out? Why? Tell me why because you're trying to do something without me. Yeah. And it's not only are you trying to do something without me, but it's keeping me from doing in you what I desire to do. you've made that clear to me again. Gosh, how many times I got to know it? You don't belong doing that
1: anymore.
0: You got that? Huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Who are you to do this? And who are you? Look at you. Look at you. What are you, you know, look at the vessel. Don't look at Christ in the vessel. God, he always brings us back through, through grace to his incredible love for us. Yeah, I'm telling you. Would you like to close us in prayer?
3: Yeah, sure. Lord, Father, we just thank you. For the eternal spirit that uh, offered itself to I mean, We just thank you because it's right. And uh, there's just no one like you. And it sure is a great experience. Be with all my friends.
1: We just love you, you precious Yeah, amen. been Awesome. Awesome.